And I'll read two verses from chapter 2, verses uh, 15 and 16, and then skip ahead to chapter 3, verse 1, and read through verse 14. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And then moving ahead to chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are the sons of Abraham. And the Scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. As far as the reading of God's Word, may He add His blessing to it. I invite you to turn with me also in conjunction with that Scripture to uh, Lord's Day 24 in the back of the Psalter Hymnal, page 882, page 882 in the back of the Trinity Red Psalter Hymnal. Lord's Day 24 on the bottom of the first column. Why can't our good works be our righteousness before God, or at least part of our righteousness? Because the righteousness which can pass God's judgment must be entirely perfect and must in every way measure up to the divine law. But even our best works in this life are all imperfect and stained with sin. How can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and the next? The reward is not merited. It is a gift of grace. But doesn't this teaching make people indifferent and wicked? No, it is impossible for those grafted into Christ by true faith not to produce fruits of gratitude. 
Beloved of the Lord, the, the big question at the time of the Reformation and at every time before and after is, how are we made right with God? How can a sinner be reconciled to God? How can we be assured of God's love? The world has one answer. The church has an entirely different answer. We considered the church's answer last week, and it has been reviewed for you in the passage I read from Galatians. We are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ and through the atoning work of Christ. By trusting in Christ, His saving work, His perfect righteousness, satisfaction, and holiness are credited to us, and God no longer sees our sin, but sees His righteousness, and so He declares us justified, and on the basis of that justification, He is no longer an angry judge, but becomes a loving Father who adopts us as His children and makes us heirs, co-heirs with Jesus Christ, fellow heirs with all other believers from every tongue and tribe and people and nation from the beginning of time to the end of time. What a glorious message that the just shall live by faith. But the world thinks you have to earn your way into God's favor. The world has a very high view of itself. Uh, People say, you know, humans are basically good. And God ought to recognize that humans are basically good. And uh, that uh, our good works uh, ought to count for something with God. And even if our good works can't take us all the way, we've got good intentions. And if that's not good enough for God, well, then maybe God's not good enough for me. You know, uh, People expect to be accepted on the basis of who they are and what they've done and what they have meant to do, even if they didn't do it. Good intentions ought to count a lot, you know. And so the world thinks that we earn our way into God's favor by our good works, and we say, no, uh, we can't. And uh, we set forth that teaching uh, two weeks ago on Sunday evening, and now the Catechism deals with some objections that are raised to that truth. Uh, Why? Why can't good works earn our way into heaven? Why can't they even contribute a little bit uh, to our way into heaven? And doesn't the Bible say that good works will be rewarded? Doesn't doesn't that uh, prove that that God will accept us on the basis of our good works because he'll reward us for them? And, and if it's true that we can't earn our way, that it's a free gift, isn't that going to make people lazy? Well, it's these objections to the Christian gospel, which is so counterintuitive to the world's wisdom. These objections to the world's wisdom or to the gospel that come from the world that we want to consider this evening. First of all, then, why can't good works earn forgiveness? You know, it's, it's like doing volunteer work, some people think. You know, nobody has to uh, volunteer to coach soccer or sing in the community choir. Nobody has to volunteer to be a volunteer fireman. There's no requirement that you have to do these things so that if you do them, well, then that ought to count for something. That ought to be... Uh, uh, something extra that God could look at and say, look, uh, yeah, you've, you've messed up here and there, but, but you went beyond and above the call of duty by 
coaching uh, young children in soccer and by volunteering for the fire department and by uh, singing in the community choir and uh, you did all sorts of uh, nice good deeds. Uh, why can't we? Why can't we get into heaven uh, on that? Why can't that make up for our bad deeds? Well, the error in that logic is the the, the statement that this is extra, that this is not required. <laughs> this is required. What does the law say? It says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, the the Bible says, consider others better than yourselves. The Bible says, don't live for yourself. Live for him by giving yourself to those uh, around you. Uh, We're required of God to be good. (laughs) And uh, the good deeds that we do are, we're supposed to do because he's given us the talent to do them if he's given you a a voice to sing and you're you're a good singer uh, you would be sinning by not volunteering for the choir you know god gave you that gift to use not to to hide it under a bushel or bury it in the sand he wants you to be out there using your gift if you're uh, skilled in Putting out fires, God expects you to use that. And uh, I don't even know if Pella has a volunteer fire department or not, but uh, uh, lots of communities I lived in did have volunteer fire departments, and that was something that uh, people ought to feel an obligation to do if they have the the time, the the strength, the ability, the the know-how to do it. Then, yes, uh, we're supposed to be doing these things. You know, uh, uh, some people uh, uh, think that uh, by doing these things, they, they can pay for their, for their mistakes. But imagine a, a bank robber coming before the judge, and he's been found guilty of robbing banks, and he admits that, yeah, he, he robbed banks. And, and the judge says, do you have anything to say before I sentence you? And, and uh, the, the, the convicted bank robber says, well... Why don't you make my punishment that I'm not allowed to rob any more banks? You know, (laughs) the judge just rolls his eyes. (laughs) That's what you're supposed to be doing all the time. Anyway, you know, you you can't make that your punishment. That can't make up for your bad deeds because you're supposed to be not robbing banks all the time. And if I make that your punishment now, uh, uh, what's to say you're going to abide by that? You didn't abide by it before and it was against the law before. Uh, so uh, it's just it just doesn't make sense that we can think that that uh, the good things that we might be able to do in this life can uh, somehow uh, make up for the bad things we do. God's standard is be you be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And if you're not perfect then you need to be punished for your sins or your sins need to be punished and you need to pay for it yourself or a substitute pay it for you as indeed the gospel proclaims. But some wonder, well, why can't, why can't our good deeds at least count for something? Well, because none of our good deeds are really all that good. Uh, why do people uh, volunteer to... Uh, coach youth soccer, and, and uh, I, I don't know if there's any soccer coaches here. I'm not trying to pick on you uh, or choir members or firefighters. Uh, 
And it's just, uh, those are some of the things that come to mind. Uh, But why do a lot of people do these? Maybe not you, but why do we do it? Well, we do it in part because we uh, enjoy it. It makes us feel good. Uh, We do it because people look up to us and uh, respect us because we do it. It uh, brings some community standing. It brings some accolades and some rewards. Uh, It's kind of nice to be in the limelight a little bit and to uh, shine and and show forth your talents, you know. Uh, there's, There's a little bit of self, maybe a lot of self, in why we do some of the good things we do. And if there's only just a little bit of pride in it, just a tiny bit of pride, well, that, that pride spoils it all. And we're not loving God with heart and soul and mind and strength. We're, we're giving some of that glory back to ourselves. And that just spoils it. It ruins it. Even your best deeds are polluted by that little bit of pride, that little bit of self that, that goes into it. And uh, so they can't count toward anything with God when God says, you have to be perfect as I am perfect, which means you can't do anything for selfish reasons or for pride or for acclaim and, and that sort of thing. Paul recognizes the, uh, the fact that uh, uh, There's always a little bit of evil there, and and often more than just a a little bit. He says in Romans 7, verse 21, When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Not just that sometimes we fall, but we always fall. And sin stains all that we do. So, we need to say, no, our good deeds can't make us acceptable to God. But that's, that's good news for Christians who have trusted in Christ. Because Christ has supplied you with a standard of righteousness that meets God's standard. God says, be ye therefore perfect even as I am perfect. Christ was perfect. His perfect righteousness, satisfaction, and holiness has been credited to you, and your standing before God is based on that perfect record. And so, even though you've messed up, and even though even your best deeds are polluted with sin, there is hope for the Christian because we are accepted in Christ and on the basis of His righteousness. But then the objection comes, but doesn't... uh, Doesn't the Bible say that our good works will be rewarded? And indeed, the Bible does say that our good works will be rewarded. Matthew 16, 27, where the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. And some people read that and think, well, reward each person. Maybe the reward is eternity in hell. Well, if if that were the case, then uh, uh, it wouldn't use the word reward. Uh, that would uh, be uh, duplicitous and uh, misleading. Uh, God speaks plainly. There is a reward, a good reward. Paul uh, says that in Second Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. 
Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who long for his appearing. Yeah, there's a crown awaiting, an award waiting that will be given to those who long for his appearing. Romans 22, verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Hebrews 11, verse 6, He rewards those who earnestly seek him. But now, okay, God does reward, but we said that our our good deeds are less than perfect, that they're polluted with sin. How can God reward good we, good deeds that are, are less than perfect? Well, the Christian life is acceptable to God because of our union with Christ. Peter writes in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 5, that we are offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our life is pleasing to, to God because of Christ. I, uh, I like to think of these uh, huge industrial complexes that have big smokestacks going up into the air. And uh, it used to be uh, uh, 50 years ago, 75 years ago or longer that uh, factories with these huge smokestacks uh, out of it billowed... Uh, dark clouds of black soot and all kinds of pollutants that went into the air. But of course, uh, in the last 50 years, we've had an environmental movement. And now uh, when you see big smokestacks coming out of factories, you don't, uh, you don't see black smoke and soot and all kinds of pollutants coming out of those chimneys. Why is that? Well, inside the chimney, there are scrubbers. Scrubbers that uh, filter the smoke and scrub out all the dirt so that only clean particles, uh, uh, non-harmful particles, can rise to the top of the chimney and be vented out into the atmosphere. Well, I kind of like to think of Christ as our, our scrubber, you know. We offer up our lives to God, and it's full of soot and dirt, and, uh, but then it goes through Christ. And when it goes through Christ, all the, uh, the junk, all the dirt is filtered out, and what is brought up to God is acceptable to God, says Peter, through Jesus Christ. It comes through Christ and therefore becomes acceptable to God. Another way of saying that, it, it, it pleases God to reward our works, but the reward is not based on our works, it's based on Christ's work, it's it's based on, on, uh, on mercy. The reward is a reward of grace, not of merit. It pleases God to reward our, fit, our feeble efforts and our fitful starts, uh, not because our works merit the reward, but because he delights to give the reward according to the riches of his grace. The reward that is promised to us is an inheritance. Now, some of you have received an inheritance. Some of you are perhaps looking forward to receiving an inheritance. Is that inheritance that you get uh, something that you've worked for? Well, you may think you've worked for it. You took care of mom and dad when they were old and sick, and 
and uh, frail, and you took them to the doctor, and you brought them uh, your own version, a family version of Meals on Wheels, and you did all sorts of errands for them, but maybe you had some siblings who live on the other side of the country who didn't do that, but they got the same inheritance because the the folks said share and share alike. Uh, Did one get... uh, uh, shafted because uh, they they didn't uh, get as much as they earned, and the other one got more than what they earned. Well, you shouldn't think that way. You know, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. And if you're in a position where you're able to help elderly parents, you ought to do that, even though you know that they are going to die and leave debts behind and, and leave you no inheritance. You, you don't take care of mom and dad because you're trying to earn an inheritance. An inheritance is a gift. If there is an inheritance, it's a gift. And it's, it's not something you work for or earn. It's, uh, you, uh, you receive it, uh, thankfully, as uh, in God's providence, a provision uh, for you that uh, you didn't earn or deserve. And that's what God has. There is an inheritance laid up for you in heaven, imperishable and undefiled and fading not away, uh, a glorious inheritance that uh, is your reward, but something which is all of grace. You know, uh, God promised a reward to Adam. It was the tree of life in the garden. The tree of life in the garden was a symbol of eternal life. And uh, when I say eternal life, again, I want to say again and again and again, I've said it several times in the last two weeks, uh, eternal life is not eternal existence. It's eternal joy in the presence of God. Uh, Eternal existence without God is hell. Eternal life is is joy and gladness in the presence of God. And, and the tree of life represented that. And in order for Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life, they would have had to have passed their probationary period and not eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Had they obeyed, they would have been rewarded with life in all its fullness. They had a a foretaste, a beginning of it already. They had close communion and fellowship with God in the garden, but you can be sure it would have gotten a lot better had they uh, passed their probationary period. And and we'll find out how much better because we ourselves will experience the much better as well when Christ comes again. But uh, that was a reward held out for him, a promise, a promised reward. And because uh, he had to... uh, obey in order to get that reward. The relationship between God and Adam in in Genesis is uh, before the fall is sometimes called the covenant of works. He has to work for the reward. And I have no great objection to calling it a covenant of works, but it's not my favorite term. And it's not my favorite term because the promise was so much more than what Adam would have deserved had he obeyed. You know, it wasn't as if God was required by some cosmic law that exists above God that says, if you create a creature in your image and he obeys you, you have to give him eternal life. There was no such cosmic law that required God to create, to create a being in his own image, or to promise him eternal life and joy in his presence. 
That's all overflowing love from God. It's overflowing goodness of God, the overflowing grace of God. Yes, he had to work for it by obeying, but when he received it, he would have received far more than his labors deserved. And so the reward, the reward of the covenant is always of grace. And so our good works can't earn forgiveness, not even a little. They, uh, they will be rewarded, but the reward is of grace. But doesn't this make Christians lazy? If we're justified by grace alone, doesn't that remove any incentive to do good works? Well, it certainly could if someone was not connected to Christ, really connected to Christ. But when we, when we believe in Christ, we are engrafted into Christ. Uh, he's the vine and we're the branches. And that means that the, the sap that's in the vine flows up into the branches. And it's uh, usually considered to be the, whole, the sap of the vine is the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you're connected to Christ and grafted into him, the Spirit of Christ begins to flow in you. And when the Spirit of Christ begins to flow in you, you are a new creature, a new creature in Christ. And you are made into a fruitful tree. God will see to it that you bring forth the fruit that he prepared in advance for you to perform. Uh, There are a lot of people who who go down the sawdust trail and make a decision for Christ. I don't know, do you know that expression, sawdust trail, when uh, evangelists used to put up tents outside and have uh, a big congregation under the tent, and uh, to keep the aisles from getting muddy, they would put sawdust on them, and then at the end of the, of the uh, sermon, the evangelists would invite people to come forward, and they'd come down the sawdust trail to make a decision for Christ. Well, there are... A lot of people who have come down the sawdust trail, so to speak, that's become a figure of speech for making a decision for Christ, who uh, said, well, okay, I made my decision for Christ, and uh, the preacher told me my sins are forgiven, now I can get on with my life and do what I want. And it becomes obvious that their faith is, is not true faith. And yeah, they, they become lazy, but they become lazy not because uh, God failed, <laughs> It's because they never put their, their faith in God. They never uh, uh, were truly connected to Him. And so, uh, being a Christian, uh, we are assured that God is at work in us, and He will bring to completion what He has started in us. And that means He will make us like Jesus Christ, and He will bring forth the fruits of faith in our lives. And it's... It's also the case that as Christians, we know that God does reward our feeble efforts. Even though they are incomplete and uh, soiled with sin, he's pleased to reward them. And, and that does provide incentive. It's very much the case that your present happiness and your future happiness, your present happiness and your future happiness, is, is dependent upon your striving to do the will of God. If you decide that you're going to blow God off and just forget about Him and uh, go your own way and do your own thing, you'll, you'll make a wreck of your life. You will destroy your life. Uh, you'll destroy the, the lives of those around you. 
you will be very unhappy now, and, and uh, if you are a true Christian, <laughs> you'll be saved by the skin of your teeth and uh, as one escaping through the fire, and uh, you'll be ashamed on the judgment day, and your eternal reward will uh, not be as great as it could be. Your cup will be full, but your cup won't be as big as somebody else's cup who strove harder to serve God in this life. And so we have incentive. Uh, we read about that uh, uh, in, the, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 speaks of some of the saints there for uh, uh, Abraham and, and Moses. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham was, was looking forward to that, and he he was striving to obey God so that he would uh, be ushered into that city. Uh, concerning Moses, we read, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And again, uh, chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know, Moses looked forward to his reward. Jesus looked forward to his reward. And, and that gave them motivation to live the life that God has called us to live, to do the work he has given us to do. And so we are not without incentive to pursue the Christian life. It's true that your sins grieve God and your good deeds please him. Therefore, Strive to please your Father, your Heavenly Father. Preserve in doing good. And when all is done, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder that we are saved, not by works of the law, but by your grace through faith, through faith alone in Christ alone. We thank you for his perfect righteousness and satisfaction and holiness that he has accomplished for us and pray that we would never take pride in our efforts but know that uh, uh, as weak as they are, you graciously do reward them. Oh, Father, help us to strive each day to live for you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.